Chefs Without Restaurants, episode 110. Back for more with Stephen Lash. Honestly, you know, like some of the best food that I've ever had comes from, there's a gas station like near me where uh, there's a a little like a restaurant attached to it, like a little El Salvadorian restaurant or something. And they serve up all kinds of different stuff. And it's amazing, man. It is like so good. Or, you know, you go to the, the farmer's market and like there's this little old lady sitting there making tamales and stuff. You know, that's the kind of stuff that like really pumps me up. This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your host, Chris Spear. Each week, I'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spear. On the show, I have conversations with culinary entrepreneurs and people in the food and beverage industry who took a different route. They're caterers, research chefs, personal chefs, cookbook authors, food truckers, farmers, cottage bakers, and all sorts of culinary renegades. I myself fall into the personal chef category as I started my own personal chef business, Perfect Little Bites, 11 years ago. And while I started working in kitchens in the early 90s, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. This week, I have a short episode with Chef Stephen Lash. He's the owner of Blue Duck Personal Chef Service. If you haven't heard his full episode yet, you can hear him on episode 107. I really loved that episode, and we received some fantastic feedback from it. Stephen shares tactical advice for those looking to start a personal chef business. During the show, I knew we were running a little long, so I wanted to split it up a bit. After the outro, I kept recording and we continued the conversation. So here, we talk about culinary school and education, microgreens, and the food Stephen doesn't like to eat. He gave some quick advice for those looking to start a business, and we discuss who he thinks is underrated in the food world. It might not be who you think. And we'd love it if you supported the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast and community. There are a few ways to help. First, if you have a business or product, we're always looking for sponsors. You can also support our existing sponsors like Savory Jobs. If you shop on Amazon, we have our own affiliate link. Or be like cool kids Matt Collins and Justin Kana and consider joining our Patreon. If nothing else, it would be great if you subscribed to the show, rated it, and reviewed it. And maybe share your favorite episodes on social media. The links to all these things are in the show notes as usual. The support means everything to me. And now, here's a word from this week's sponsor, Savory Jobs. Are you shocked at what it costs to post a job ad? Instead, imagine a job site for restaurants only, where you could post as many jobs as you wanted, and it only cost 50 bucks. Not for each job you post, but for all the jobs you post, for an entire year. Well, my sponsor, Savory Jobs, has made that a reality. They've launched a revolutionary, easy-to-use job site just for restaurants. And it only costs $50 for unlimited job posts for an entire year. Plus, for our loyal listeners, use the code SAVORY10 and get 10% off. That's S-A-V-O-R-Y-1-0. So go to SavoryJobs.com and discover the job site that's shaking up the restaurant industry. Forget the big corporate sites like Indeed and Monster. Join the revolution at SavoryJobs.com and remember to use code SAVORY10 for 10% off. And now, on with the show. Thanks so much and have a great week. I just want to throw some extra kind of like bonus questions out there. Can we keep the conversation going for a couple minutes? 
Sure. Just a couple things that I want to find out from you. Did you go to culinary school at all or did you learn nope. kind of all on the fly? No, not at all. I did not. Did you did ever not. think it was something that you should have done? Yes. Um, actually, this go around. I, when I when I first kind of kicked this off, um, and it's funny you asked me that because I was having this conversation just this morning. Um, I feel like there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge. You know, I've learned a ton of stuff on on the job over the years and through experience, but there's a lot of gaps. You know, so literally, <laughs> this is kind of one of those things where I tell on myself all the time, right? Literally, I was in a conversation with somebody this morning, and we looked up the proper way to pronounce charcuterie. And and I'm hoping I got it right still, but it was like—is there a different way to pronounce charcuterie? Or I was pronouncing that... it wrong. Yeah, how were you, <laughs> how were saying, you saying charcuterie? Charcuterie or some shit like that, you know. But it's like little things like that 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 I've noticed that you know when I especially when I get into conversations with people and as I'm out there cooking and I get you know people they look at me as an expert, right? And so they ask me all these questions and it's like I don't know a lot of different stuff about cheeses, you know, or wines. I don't drink. So I don't, I don't really know much about wine and I get asked about pairings all the time. And, you know, so I got to kind of, I got to kind of fake it sometimes. Um, but there's a lot of little gaps in there that I noticed that I, I thought very seriously last year about going to culinary school and like just to fill that in and, and kind of round it out, but I didn't do it. So do you foresee that that's something you do or are you maybe thinking about like just kind of diving in more because you can learn so much online like i'm a big yeah, fan of you know, watching of youtube videos kind of reading things like if you just want to learn about charcuterie there's plenty of places to learn about charcuterie on the internet you know as right. an example or wine pairings or you know exactly i said like i took a butchery class i went and did like a three-day butchery class because i really wanted to improve my skill on that yeah university of google so books i, I still love books you know i love cookbooks and so i you know but yeah, that's kind of the, where I landed because I, I looked at it at, uh, what was it, Le Cordon Bleu or something like that, right? And it was like $30,000 and I'm like, I don't have the money or the time. So I'm like, all right, well, cool. Next best thing. I want to learn about charcuterie. All right, I'm going to go Google that for a while. I'm going to watch YouTube videos. I'm going to learn about it. You know, I wanted to, got interested in molecular gastronomy. So I got like, uh, I ordered a, a kit from Amazon from like, you know, the modernist pantry. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the farmer's market and the the girl I was with was like, you know, we we're talking and I was like, there's all this stuff that uh, I haven't really played with. So we were just kind of having fun with it. And she picked out a few ingredients that I had never worked with before. And it was like, all right, cool. So now I'm going to go learn something about them and I'm going to make something with them, you know? And it was like, I don't even know what the hell we, we had, uh, Pork belly was one. I've been wanting to play with it anyway. So pork belly, dragon fruit, cactus pears, and like beef bacon or something. Oh, I saw it. Did you do like a sorbet trio or something? I did. I did. And that's exactly why. Yeah. You know, so that's where that came from. I played with it in a couple of other ways. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll try a sorbet. Part of that was because I had just bought a little ice cream maker. And uh, so I want to be able to, you know, I'm going to try it out with taking an ice cream maker to my events and try and make ice cream on the fly. But uh, yeah, no, that's like, a tough, right, cool. that's a tough one. But I guess, you know, if you've got everything ready to go and spin it out, you'll, you'll maybe be okay. Uh, I love making ice cream at home. So if you have any questions, I'm not a master, but I, I love my uh, ice cream maker and I make ice cream all the time. 
who's a unsung badass in the industry? Like, are there people that you love that you don't think people know about? Like, who are some chefs, maybe locally, but even on the national level? Like, there's so many chefs out there, and I feel like we keep hearing about the same, you know, two dozen chefs. Honestly, you know, like some of the best food that I've ever had comes from there's a gas station like near me where uh, there's a, a little like a restaurant attached to it, like a little El Salvadorian restaurant or something. And they serve up all kinds of different stuff. And it's amazing, man. It is like so good. Or, you know, you go to the the farmer's market and like there's this little old lady sitting there making tamales and stuff. You know, that's the kind of stuff that like really pumps me up. So the underrated people are just like the mom and pops and the people out there grinding it out. Hell yeah. You know, I've got a friend of mine. His wife is from um, Taiwan. And I'll go over to his house and she'll be cooking up something. And and it is like, it smells amazing. It tastes amazing. It's not, she's not classically trained, nothing like that. But it's just like, I want to go cook with her. And I've asked her and she's all intimidated because like I'm, I'm a chef or whatever, but, and she won't do it. But I'm like, I want to come in and just learn from you. You know, like those are the people that really excite me, you know, like the grandmas and the, and the, you know, the folks that are just doing it because they just cook and they're feeding their families or whatever. But some of the most amazing stuff comes out of that. We got a restaurant in town. We're going there tonight because we have friends uh, in town and it's called Jerk and Jive. And it's a, you know, jerk place. And it's like, we're going to get fried fish and we're going to get plantains and they're greens. And, you know, it's nothing fancy, but the flavors are awesome. Best chicken wings in the city. Like they're jerk wings with their sauce, best wings in the city. I mean, it's not like a Buffalo wing, but we love them. And, you know, to me, that's where we would rather go. And I think people, when they say, where do you like to eat? They're expecting me to, you know, mention this like fancy frou-frou place. It's like, no, we're going to eat there. We're going to go to the Thai place. Like that's what I'm eating in my time off. Oh yeah. I love, I love me some lowbrow food, man. And that's, that's part of the fun. And that's part of kind of what my, you know, my thing is like, you take these home dishes, you take these, you know, kind of everyday things. And then how do I make that look and, you know, elevate it and, you know, do some cool different ingredients maybe or whatever, but try and trying to keep the spirit of what that is still um, and, and do something else with it. But man, I will take that any day over some stuffy, you know, perfectly placed, you know, uh, micro green on a plate. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we go down the micro green route, this is going to be a long conversation. I, uh, I don't dig on the micro greens. Like I, okay. Two seconds. Like <laughs> they can taste good, but for the price, like I get why, but like when you look at like $35 a pound for some like micro green, like I like herbs. I feel like you can buy a bunch of dill for a dollar and get as much, if not more culinary impact out of that as like some micro oregano or something that's like $35 a pound. Like just buy a bunch of dill, buy a bunch of regular oregano, you know, like you don't, not everyone needs to have, you know, baby red vein sorrel on their plate. Like put something that's really going to give you some impact. I no, I feel you, but I I am definitely at one with the microgreens. I love them, you know. And it's yeah, well for a while there, and unfortunately, um, I think the guy is not doing it anymore. But like literally ten minutes up the road from me was a guy that was kind of starting off a little microgreen farm, and so we worked out something, and I could get great product from him, you know. Um, and so I would hit him up regularly you know, and, and go, go get them. And I, I think they look fantastic. I try and be somewhat sparing on how to use them, but, you know, I also try and be intentional with it. You know, you don't want to just throw microgreens on everything, but I, I like, which is what I think. I think is happening a lot. Yeah. They're easy. It's a crutch, 
you know, at the same time, I can take a, a green onion and do a really thin slice on a bias and it'll be just as pretty on a plate and serve a purpose, you know, so. I buy scallions every week. Yeah, that's probably one of my go-tos. There's usually scallions, shallots, and, you know, I can do the same thing, you know, shave some shallots really, really thin. And, but, you know, it's, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. What's in the supermarket? I'm limited, you know, and, and my, you know, I'm in, I'm close enough to Atlanta that I can go get a lot, but I have to drive pretty far to do it. So if I'm right around here, then it's kind of hit and miss on what some of that stuff looks like, you know? Oh, I'm with you. I mean, I think that is one of the big challenges is if you're a personal chef and you shop retail, getting all those products, not always uh, the easiest time. Well, what, what food items do you hate? Like what won't you eat? Yeah, I can tell you right now, just I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a look for this. Olives. I don't dig olives. And I know those are one of those things that as a chef, I'm supposed to love, but I no, you're not supposed to I love just them. don't, I just don't dig them. Yeah. I don't love oysters. And that's one of those things as a chef, you're really supposed to love. Like I've had some really good oysters and I think I haven't just found like the varietals necessarily, but they're not like, not something I really dig. And especially being a chef, you go to friends restaurants and they always want to like send you some oyster dish. It's like, I do not want that. If you're going to comp me a dish, don't make it be the oysters. Yeah, I can, I can definitely leave those. You know, take or leave them. I'll probably leave those. Now I have, I, I took a trip to, to Seattle and, and had some real fresh, like local oysters, um, you know, raw. And actually I enjoyed those, but I grew up with my mom making this like oyster stuffing every year for Thanksgiving. And she used like canned oysters or some shit like that. And it was nasty. Hard pass. Yeah. Well, give me one bit of amazing advice for someone who is looking to start a business. It doesn't have to be a personal chef business, but like, what's one thing that everyone really should think about or know before they get into doing their own thing? Commit. Commit and take the leap. Because if you half-ass it and you kind of, you know, test the waters, I don't think you're going to find out what you can really do. And the biggest, I, I'll give you, you know, context on that. I had to, when I started this and I, I dicked around and I thought about it for years and years and years, and I didn't really ever do anything with it. And it wasn't until I absolutely had to, because I didn't have anything else going on that I threw myself into it and it worked. But I would say if I, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about doing a business or starting your own business, take the leap, you know, take the leap and, and commit. That would probably be the, the one thing. And then second to that, Stay humble and, and be willing to learn because you'll learn a lot of different ways. <laughs> the easy way, the hard way. <laughs> I would agree with those. Great advice. Well, thanks to all our listeners who joined. This has been my follow-up bonus content from my episode with Stephen Lash. And his episode is number 107. So go check that out to listen to our whole conversation. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.